I covered the student rally, the Save Our Majors rally, and that was on March 21st. And that was organized pretty much completely by students, student-led. It really came out of the students saying, we want a turn to say what we have to say. This is Catherine Wesneski. She's one of the editors of The Pointer. That's the student newspaper at the University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point. She's also an English major at the university. And this rally she's talking about took place after leaders at the school proposed cutting 13 majors, all of them in the liberal arts. We are having a silent protest once we enter that building. You are free to talk on the way over and once we get in. So there was actually a silent sit-in before the rally um, in the sundial, which is kind of the center of campus. We're going to give you a countdown and then we're going to go silent for 13 minutes. Then there was you know, 13 in total that majors that were uh, proposed to be cut. These include majors in English, history, philosophy, sociology, and Spanish. I think the overall response is heartbreak because students in these majors, they recognize the value of them as their own entities. So saying, oh, there's not going to be a philosophy major or there's not going to be a Spanish major, it almost doesn't it doesn't make sense. So um, a lot of the discussions that I think we had were, where is this coming from? When did this happen? What happens now? What do we do? From APM Reports, this is Educate, a podcast in collaboration with the Heckinger Report. I'm Stephen Smith. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk with journalist John Marcus of the Heckinger Report. He's been reporting on the decline in enrollment in the liberal arts. What you've seen is not just at the University of Wisconsin at Stevens Points, but but in other uh, states, North Carolina, Florida, questioning of these programs, uh, cutting of these programs. But first, we're going to talk with Greg Summers. He's the provost and vice chair for academic affairs at the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point. The school is in a budget crunch, and one way they're proposing to save money is by cutting those 13 majors in the liberal arts. They'll still offer classes in most of those subjects, but not a degree, so they'll need fewer faculty. At the same time, Stevens Point plans to add more than a dozen new degrees in business and science, things like chemical engineering and fire science. Stevens Point has a $4.5 million deficit. I asked Greg Summers how the school got there. Uh, You'd have to start by talking about the long-term decline in state funding for public higher education uh, in Wisconsin uh, in the 1970s when the UW system was first formed. Uh, Our institution got about 50% of its budget from state taxpayers, and right now it's about 15%. Uh, That's been a long-term, decades-long decline. It's probably got worse in in recent years, but that's certainly one factor. Uh, We're also in the midst of uh, a tuition freeze that has uh, been mandated by the legislature and the governor. That's uh, We're in our fifth year of a six-year tuition freeze. Uh, I'd say a third factor is the demographics that we are facing here in uh, the Midwest and in central Wisconsin in particular. Uh, the number of high school graduates that are uh, coming out of our local feeder high schools is, is declining. The state's population is aging, and I think that's uh, hurt our ability to recruit students. And then maybe a fourth factor that is actually a good thing for students here is that we've really, uh, in recent years, increased our graduation rate. Our graduation rate has gone from our four-year rate from 22% up to about 34%. And that's kind of emptied out the institution at a time when it's difficult to recruit large numbers of incoming students. Hmm. This spring, you announced a plan uh, to manage your deficit by cutting 13 majors. What, What are those majors? Well, it's uh, a lot of the traditional liberal arts 
uh, programs. Uh, we're looking at uh, potentially discontinuing programs like the history major, uh, philosophy, sociology, political science. Uh, there's some smaller programs like uh, music literature and American studies that don't have a large number of students in it. But it's it's a lot of traditional subjects that that uh, you know people know as the liberal arts uh, majors at at most universities. And why did you decide to make those cuts? Uh, you know, it's a, var- a variety of reasons. We've certainly seen, uh, as many institutions across the country have seen, uh, a kind of long-term decline in student interest in those majors that's reflected in enrollments. You know, our entire university has experienced uh, an enrollment decline, but the decline, I think, has been most acute in our College of Letters and Science and in, in some of those programs. Looking historically at the institution, uh, you know, I'm a historian myself. I think it's very clear that uh, career-focused programs have long been the chief uh, kind of bread and butter uh, of our institution as a regional public university. Is it the case that at least some of the majors that are proposed to be cut are among the least expensive to actually operate? Uh, it depends on how you, you calculate expense. It, it, you know, if you look at simple numbers like uh, the cost of a student credit hour per, you know, based on major, then yeah, they, they tend to be, you know, these disciplines, uh, I'm a historian myself, you know, historians don't get paid a lot. So, uh, you know, they tend to generate a lot of student credit hours and teach a lot of students uh, for a relatively modest cost. However, uh, those subsidies tend to work both ways. When I was a history faculty member, you know, I taught classes that were enrolled uh, probably 95% by non-history majors. So the very fact that we're able to employ people in those disciplines comes from the fact that the majority of our students, about 94% of our students are here to major in other disciplines. Uh, philosophy is a good example. Philosophy is a major that has seen some growth in recent years. I think the department, uh, you know, it's a relatively small unit. They've done an extraordinary job uh, of building an audience for their major. Uh, but one of the things that's true about philosophy is that 70% of the students that are in that major are actually double majoring. Uh, philosophy is their second choice. And it's really serving kind of as a complement, almost like a minor to students who are majoring in business or natural resources or the programs. Mm. Now, in a few speeches, you've talked about a a renewed focus on career preparation at the university. Uh, Is it your idea to focus on applying the remaining liberal arts curriculum to those more career-oriented degrees? That's part of what we'd like to do. I mean, I I would remind folks that that the degrees that we offer, they're often characterized in the media as vocational degrees or technical degrees or very narrowly focused degrees. You know, that, that really couldn't be farther from the truth. I think they have... Uh, clear career pathways. You know, if you look at something like um, our, our natural resources degrees or nursing or, or health, um, you know, th- those tend to have, um, I guess, clear career trajectories that are a little bit more discernible to students and a little bit more defined. But they're not at all vocational. Uh, a third of the credits that most of our students take are, come from our general education curriculum, and those are primarily liberal arts courses. In the uh, sort of ongoing national discussion about the value and the need for liberal arts majors, it's often said that these majors help people with skills like communication, critical thinking, and that's what tech companies and financial firms express the need for finding more workers with those skills. Oh, and I agree completely, and I think there's different ways that you can read those kinds of studies. Some people want to read those studies and say that we need to produce more philosophy majors and and more more history majors. I'm not sure that that's how I would read it. I I read it uh, more broadly. I think that every one of our graduates, regardless of their major, needs to have more of those liberal arts 
experiences meaningfully delivered uh, so that they walk out not just with, uh, you know, a, a, a ready set of employable skills in their discipline or in their field, whether it's accounting or health or natural resources, but a really broad and deep and rich liberal education so that they can respond to those needs in the job market. That's exactly what we need to do. The University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point has become sort of a lightning rod for this issue, but it's not only that university. John Marcus is higher education editor at the Heckinger Report. He recently wrote about the decline in liberal arts enrollment and the decline in the number of liberal arts classes that are offered at colleges across the country. What you're seeing at public universities, especially in states uh, and this is quantifiable, not not you know not political. Uh, states with Republican governors who question the value of 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 allocating budget money toward higher education for majors in fields that they don't they don't necessarily believe connect to um, the economic needs of their states. What you've seen is not just at the University of Wisconsin at Stevens Points, but but in other uh, states, North Carolina, Florida, questioning of these programs. Uh, cutting of these programs. So um, the University of New Hampshire is cutting 18 lectures from its College of Liberal Arts because of budget cuts and also a decline in enrollment in language programs. That connects to a decline in international students. The University of Central Missouri, I believe it is, is also proposing um, closing down its College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences. So it's not only uh, that one institution. So you're seeing public institutions cutting these programs. You're seeing private liberal arts institutions closing altogether. So the most recent example was Mount Ida College in Massachusetts. Uh, before that, um, St. Gregory's University in Oklahoma, Atlantic Union College, which was also in Massachusetts, which has a lot of universities, as you know, uh, Trinity Lutheran in Washington, Mary Grove College in Michigan um, is closing its undergraduate programs. And two of the most famous examples are Sweetbriar and Antioch, which you and I have discussed before, both liberal arts colleges that survived, but largely because it's their, their alumni uh, have continued to support them. All of those are liberal arts colleges, um, and the pace is picking up. They're closing. Why is enrollment in uh, liberal arts programs declining? Is it you know, because people think they can't get a job with a liberal arts degree? Yes. It's because uh, people don't understand the connection between the values you get from a liberal arts education and what employers want. And for years, people who work in the liberal arts, they have a really good case to make, but they've been terrible at making it. So I was at a conference of people who advocate for the liberal arts and who represent liberal arts colleges and universities to discuss how do we restore interest in the liberal arts? How do we reverse these precipitous enrollment declines? And Task one, and these uh, these disciplines have been declining in enrollment for 40 years, and task one was still define the liberal arts. These are people who provide the liberal arts, trying to define what it, what it means. And if they still can't understand it, it's very hard for them to explain. And that problem is exacerbated by the fact, as someone put it in this seminar, that uh, two of the, of the most, you know, the third rail words in America right now are liberal and arts. And you have two of those together, and not only do people not know what they are, but they assume the worst. They assume that it has to do with what people perceive to be liberal, politically liberal college campuses. That's not what liberal arts means, but they have had trouble determining exactly what it is it does mean. 
How precipitous is the decline in the liberal arts major in the United States? In 1967, one in five students majored in the liberal arts. Now, one in 20 students major in the liberal arts. In particular, and just recently, since 2007, the number of bachelor's degrees in history is down 25% in the last 10 years. Uh, English language literature and composition is down 22%. Philosophy and religious studies is down 15% just in the last 10 years. The University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point um, attracts a lot of first-generation students who come from rural parts of the state. And these are students who are less likely to enroll, you know, in a private liberal arts college or even consider a major like philosophy or art history. What happens to that cohort of people if uh, none of them are ever exposed to the liberal arts? Does it matter? The liberal arts and whatever skills employers believe that they impart are being offered to largely up, upper income um, suburban white kids and lower income first generation and racial and ethnic minorities who go to these regional public universities like Stevens Point, like the University of Central Missouri. They no longer have access. Uh, they're given uh, strictly vocational majors. Uh, and so you're seeing co- sort of a socioeconomic divide in who gets what kind of a higher education. One of the arguments that uh, liberal arts departments often fall back on, and you've heard it uh, a a million times, is that college is not just about a job. Uh, Is that persuasive? Is Is that an effective response to a question about the value of the liberal arts? Not anymore. Uh, Yes, you're right. That has been their answer in many cases. But the reality is, is you cannot charge people uh, the, the amount of money that colleges and universities charge people now and expect them to walk away accepting that answer. Just trust us. Uh, You have to show them what they're getting for their money. I know you love to report on the future. Uh, What do you think is going to happen with this issue? I think uh, we're going to see a lot of liberal arts colleges close. There are 2.6 million fewer college students in America than there were in 2011, which was the last peak. That's a massive decline. Uh, Someone who does enrollment management consulting told me that was the biggest decline in history. Uh, and universities and colleges don't want you to tell to, to know that. We've just come through that period when all the universities tell us about the record number of applications they received. But listen very carefully. They don't say there were a record number of applicants. They say there were a record number of applications because each individual student, it's easier now to apply. There's a common application. Most schools don't require essays. So each student is sending out more, more, more applications. There aren't more students. Any sign of a public uh, backlash, a public wanting to slow this down? There have been protests at the University of New Hampshire. There have been protests in a lot of places where this has happened. I don't know how much you can slow it down. Um, the proposal at University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point would cut four and a half, uh, would cut, I think, enough to cover. I think they said enough to cover a deficit there, which is four and a half million dollars already, um, and declining enrollment. That's a big pot of money to cover. I'm not sure they're going to be able to figure out another way to do that. So um, I don't, I'm, I'm not optimistic that this will be reversed there. I think maybe some of the attention that it's getting uh, and some of the pushback sort of generally, the just in terms of thought leaders elsewhere in the country uh, bemoaning the decline of the liberal arts might make other public universities stop and think before they do it. Since there aren't as many college students as there were a few years ago, I wanted to know if the cuts at Stevens Point were inevitable. 
I asked Provost Greg Summers if anything could have been done earlier to prevent these cuts from happening. I don't know that it's an, an inevitable trend based on demographics. I think the system certainly needs to respond to the demographic issues. And, you know, there's a couple of ways that we can do that. We can we can pare down our spending as we are, are, are being forced, I think, to do here. You could also work to uh, increase the percentage of, of high school graduates who seek college, right? Uh, if, if roughly a third of our high school graduates are pursuing a college education, if we could move that to 40% or 45%, which would be terrific for the state and terrific for our economy and terrific for uh, citizenship in all kinds of ways, um, that would go a long way to alleviating the financial concerns that we have regarding uh, you know, tuition and recruitment. Um, so that's, I think, a challenge. But, but you know, recruiting those students and supporting them in, in institutions of higher education takes a lot of public investment. And I guess that's the other issue I would point to. Um, this long-term uh, shift in costs of a college education from state taxpayers to the individual students, uh, I think, is, is concerning. And it's happened very quietly in a bipartisan way over decades uh, without a lot of public discussion. And I think that public discussion is, is long overdue. Uh, we really need to talk about what level of public investment is, is needed. Um, in my opinion, a college degree is a public good as much as it is a private good. The benefit accrues to society anytime somebody gets a college education. We need, you know, doctors and nurses and lawyers and engineers and sociologists and, uh, you know, we need all kinds of people out there working on behalf uh, of our communities and making uh, the communities we live in a better place. Um, if we treat education as a private good, where that good comes only to the individual who's getting the degree and going out and earning a higher income, I think we really miss a lot of the value that comes. But that, that public good requires investment in just the same way that roads and bridges and power grids and healthcare systems need public investment. Higher education needs public investment as well. Well, good luck with the difficult process. I'm sure it's not fun. It is not fun. It is, it is the least fun I've ever had. That's it for this episode. You can find John Marcus's story about the decline in liberal arts majors on the Heckinger Report website, heckingerreport.org. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us how you found this podcast and why you listen. You can get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is at Educate Podcast. That's one word. You can also send an email to contact at apmreports.org. And if you want more people to hear this story and this podcast, do us a favor, write us a review on iTunes. That helps other people find our work. APM Reports is producing a documentary about colleges and economic mobility. We want to know what people gain and what they lose when they change social classes and what higher education has to do with it. To help us in reporting that documentary, you can tell us your story. Did college change your social class? What is social class? Is it about how much money you make or is it something else? You can tell us what you think by filling out a brief questionnaire at apmreports.org slash documentaries. The Educate podcast is produced by Alex Baumhart and Chris Julin. Catherine Winter is our editor, Emily Hanford, our senior producer. This episode was mixed by Veronica Rodriguez. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM. <laughs>